Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us, and we're the hosts of The Mom Hour. On this show, we're joined by a team of unique mom voices from across the country and in different stages of motherhood to bring you tips, ideas, and encouragement, and to help you feel a little less alone. We all know that motherhood is a lot easier when real moms share honest truths and remind each other that it's all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 435 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers here with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Oh, I'm great. It's been a big week. Yeah, it has been a big week for you. We're going to get we're going to circle back to that in just a minute. But let's tell everybody what we're talking about today. I'm excited. We're getting in our time machines as we like to do. And we're going to think back to when we had a couple of kids, two and under in the first few um, nervous, lonely. (laughs) What other adjectives are coming to mind? I mean, some of the ones that are coming to mind would maybe be a little bit of like I was going to say desperate. Yeah flailing, yes. fumbling, bumbling, yes. questioning the universe and my place in it and <laughs> all of my life choices, like just that kind of thing. Yeah. Those years of motherhood. Um, yeah. And to help us get in that time machine, we chatted earlier this week with Sarah Lindbergh, who is on our team of contributors. Um, she is a mom of two girls who are two and a half and six months. And I chatted with her briefly and I was like, Sarah, what? Like, what do you want to know from us? What could two midlife moms of giant kids um, kind of put in perspective for you? And I love what she said. I'm actually just going to read a little bit of what she said. She said, being in this season is tough. Everyone says you're in it or it gets better. Or, These are the trenches. But as a mom of a two and a half year old and a six month old, I'm like, OK, everyone says it gets better and easier. But when? When does that happen? This is such a good question. I know. And she goes on to just say that everything right now is hard. Like putting the baby down for a nap with a young toddler, getting out of the house feels overwhelming. Um, So she asked us, no, like literally, when does it get easier? And what with the platitudes and give (laughs) me some specifics, right? Yeah. And and what are the, what are the little milestones? Not like a milestone, like babies crawling and walking or sleeping through the night. But like, what are the, um, I think of them as like leveling up in motherhood. What are the little milestones that happen 
where now you and I can look back and be like, right, that really did unlock um, a level of easy. And I don't know if easy is the right word exactly, but for sure smooths a bump in the road. Yeah. And it keeps things moving forward. I think that, you know, one of the things that's tricky about these is that sometimes a thing makes your life easier at one way, but then makes it harder in another way. So the example that came to mind is like, okay, you finally have a baby that's old enough just to sit up in the shopping cart. You don't have to bring in the bucket or like any of that stuff, or they can just sit up. That's great. But now they're also big enough to start reaching for stuff. (laughs) So it's like everything that greases the wheel in one way. It's like it greases the wheel so much that now you have to, it's like you have to adjust again and, and pivot. Um, but what's happening is that overall things are moving in the direction of easier. It doesn't mean everything's solved. It means things are progressing. Yeah. Like if you zoomed out, the, the arc is bending (laughs) toward things not being quite so hard. Um, and we know hard in a new way. And sometimes yes. just novelty is good. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, so we're going to, um, we're going to try and get as specific as we can. And, and a lot of this will come from our own experience because of course you listening, you're going to have slightly different milestones that unlock the easy button. But I think by sharing ours, it'll be a fun look back and, um, hopefully give Sarah and other moms of two, two and under, um, something to look forward to. So I'm excited about this. But first, Megan, we've had a busy week, mostly you, but we do have some fun things for our listeners to, I guess, look out for on the internets and elsewhere where they might find you and me and the mom hour. Yeah. Um, the first one came as a total surprise to us. Our friend, Sarah Stewart Holland, uh, who co-hosts Pantsuit Politics, sent an image in our little podcaster group chat of the mom hour featured not exactly in Real Simple magazine, but in like a secret magazine that came inside Real Simple subscribers magazines, if that makes yes. sense. Yes. We're trying to figure out who on earth has this magazine. Like, did it go to all Real Simple subscribers or just some? And then if you're not a Real Simple subscriber, can you subscribe to this magazine specifically or find it on the shelves? We we're not 100% sure. It was called Celebrate, right? Yeah, I'm looking at a picture of it. It's called, it has Celebrate. Is like It looks like the title of the magazine. And it has the cutest little like fall slash holiday um, like mug and little scene, almost like a miniatures scene. And then it looks like a magazine, but it was packaged as far as we know with Real Simple for subscribers. Um, I popped into my local bookstore the other day. I didn't even tell you this. It was after we chatted. And I saw their real simple, but I did not see celebrate, but I did confirm that my local friend who subscribes, she did get it with her subscription. So maybe our listeners who subscribe got it and look for the mom hour in there. And we're still trying to get a hard copy tracked down for ourselves, but that's very exciting. This was nothing we um, knew about. Like we just didn't know about it. We didn't like pitch ourselves or anything. It just happened, which is nice. It's always fun when something like that happens. You know, another thing that I didn't try to make happen, but just happened is that I, I had to bump up my, um, my screen to 200% <laughs> this week. <laughs> so I am now looking at a Google doc with our notes on it. There's like they're, and they're enormous <laughs> because uh, I just otherwise can't really see it that well. So um, I have to scroll. Pardon me while I scroll, Sarah. This might take a few minutes to get to the next line. Ah, yes. My announcements. I have a few. Um, well, I am writing a book. And was and had the the fun and joy of being able to post my 
book deal announcement that was in a publication called Publishers Marketplace that does like deals reports. It's the industry. It was it's the industry sort of publication right. that authors and agents and publishers and editors and all those people use to share industry news. And my book was announced in there this week. So now I can talk about it, which is really exciting. I love it the title. Can you tell people the title? Yes. The title is The Last Parenting Book You'll Ever Read. I love it so much. Actually, it may currently be the last parenting book you'll ever need, but I have a good feeling it's going to change. Like it's one of those where we're, it, it's still a, a working title. Maybe people can tell us which one they prefer. Yeah. Need or read. The idea being that it's about sort of the last stages of parenting kids under your roof, which is where I am now. Most of my kids have moved out. I've got a senior who will be moving on at the end of this year. And then of course my youngest is a high schooler. So I am like breathing down the empty nest and realizing what that long goodbye sort of feels like. And the stage between having a house full of little kids and having a house full of no kids at all. Um, just that transition. That is what this book is going to be about. And it will be out in not this coming spring, but the following. So we've got some time. Um, that's why I said the title could change. A lot of things could change, but I do love the title. It really sums up the la- the idea of last that we're all that there's even if it, this isn't literally the last parenting book you'll ever read or need um, at some point it will be. So I, I love it because it's a little bit inflammatory in the best possible way. Like it's, right. it's like really declarative, but then it gets right at the heart of why this is. So, so it was like at first read, you think it's because this is the definitive guide to parenting. Right, like I've written the but only no, parenting book. <laughs> chronologically, this is the last one and I actually really really love that it's like a it, it's sort of like it makes you sit it's up a, a little, little subversive yes, almost I love yes. that and I love yeah. that it almost like wants to like like what do you mean this is the oh right. I love so anyway yeah. and I love just like a like a declarative title like that I love it so much really fun I can't take the credit that came up my agent and I while we were shopping the book around we're kind of circling around titles one day and she's like you know it just needs like a really strong title, you know, something about like the last parenting book you'll ever read. And I was like, well, what if that was literally the title? <laughs> so that was, we were both excited about that. So, I love it. Yeah. Um, and then I had uh, an article in the Washington Post this week that is about parenting teenagers as well. And the funny thing is I wrote that story a long time ago. Yeah. Often months, in, right? In, yeah. Many months. Like I feel like it maybe turned in the first draft in May or something. It's been a really long time. But in the world of publishing, sometimes things just get held on to for a long time. And um, today it went like kind of like it just sort of happened like it one day. <laughs> there it was. Yeah. I had like some edits to last minute edits to look, edits to look at yesterday. And then and then there it went. So um, that is it's behind a paywall. But I think if you sign up with a free account, you can read it. So I, I was looking at it in two different Chrome browsers yesterday, one of which was signed into my I do have a paid Washington Post account. And the other was not signed in. And I feel like it was still, you could still read it maybe for a limited time without the paywall. Anyway, we'll do our best to link it. I will also just shout out Washington Post's on parenting section has now been, gosh, I don't know, eight or 10 years, Megan, of really solid quality parenting writing. And Megan Leahy is is, um, like the in-house parenting quote unquote expert or coach at Washington Post. She has been for years. She has like a Q&A column that's really, really strong. Um, and then Amy Joyce is the editor over there. And I, I just feel like it's, it's always good. Good writers. Yeah. So if you do feel like supporting 
journalism through subscribing, which I like to as much as I can, I can I can vote for WAPO. Um, if absolutely for the parenting Ab- section, even almost just for that alone. Yeah. And I believe AB Joyce was on the mom hour. Was it during yes. the pandemic? I know she's been on. Mm-hmm. I think so, yeah. a little bonus episode. Yeah. Yep. And so yeah. has Megan Leahy been as well. Oh, yeah. I've interviewed her. Um, well, I have one that's a little bit less national, but um, very topical for our for our listeners. I have a piece in my local um, paper right now about family photo shoots and having professional oh family photos taken and how stressful it can be as a parent and how to both get your family ready for those holiday card photo shoots, but also um, maybe reset some expectations. Um, and I interviewed two local photographers um, who I love. One is a very close friend and one has taken my family photos. So um, that was really fun to do locally. And the tips, the photographers are local, but the tips they span the globe if you are having family photos taken uh, this fall. So I will link that up as well. Well, this has been a very prolific month for us both. Yeah, so cheers to that. Sure has. And we can be prolific because guess what? We don't have two babies to and under. <laughs> See how I did that? Typing on the computer definitely gets easier when there's not like a toddler gra- literally grabbing your hands. That's something I remember mine doing when they were really little and I was typing and they wanted to get my attention. They would grab my hands and pull them away. Or the other thing they would do is pick at the keys while they were nursing. And I had oh like keys on my computer that were off. Yeah. So that doesn't happen to me anymore either. My, my, my computer in general stays in much better condition than it did when I had littles. Yes. Okay. So let's dive into helping out Sarah from our team and other moms in her season of life. Megan, what came up for you when you were thinking of this question? No, really. When does it actually get easier? Well, um, the first one that came to mind, we've talked about on this show multiple times, but I feel like I always come back to it because it's a moment. It is a mom milestone. And that is when they can all preferably buckle themselves into the car. But even if they can all arrange themselves in the car and then sit there so you can come around and do the buckling, that's like a pre, like that's like the pre milestone. Mm -hmm. And even that is easier than having to do. And and that like the ages have changed for all that. I feel like when my kids were little, like the length of time they were in certain kinds of car seats, the car seats themselves, all of that has changed. But what I do remember is the relief of like the ones in the back able to buckle themselves. You don't have to sweatily climb into the back. And then even if the ones in the middle aren't doing it all themselves, they're able to physically propel themselves into the seat and then wait there for you. Yes. As you were talking, I was thinking about what you were saying earlier about how when that happens, then also something else gets harder. And I was having (laughs) this memory of then when like a three-year-old will want to do all that by themselves and you're like, you'd rather they didn't. Yes, Yes. exactly. But no, I absolutely agree. Um, Sarah is in the thick of having to buckle five point harness to um, every single time. And that is hard. Um, So I was thinking back to having either two or three little ones and naps were really challenging for me during the day. And I, I always had cat napping infants who, you know, they, they slept plenty during the day, but it was really disorganized. And that was really hard for my mental state, the unpredictability of the baby's nap. And then often there was an older toddler 
who had a by that point a pretty predictable like one afternoon nap. So I was searching for like what was the actual moment where it got easier. And I'm going to say that for me it was when the nappingest napper, the infant consolidated to two naps a day and that so they got long enough to pull off just two naps and for my kids that was like 9 months sometimes. It was a long time because they were cat nappers. Um but it helped me plan my days so much better when I was at home full time with them. And then even if I couldn't um, do the magic thing of lining up, say the baby's second nap with the preschoolers one nap, even if they didn't coincide, I still was able to like, it felt like I was given back, not all of the control, but like 50% of the control over the timing of my day. Um, and that, I, that just made things feel so much easier. Yeah. While you were talking, <laughs> I was thinking again to the consequences, I suppose, of like when things get easier, when they consolidate to two naps a day, it is like a glorious period of time. It also then means you're that much closer to when they start dropping Ugh. one of those naps and everything goes all to heck again, right? <laughs> so hard. That is but really hard. I know. I know. But then eventually, so it's like this is also cyclical because yep. it's going to be really hard when they're napping all over the place, then they're on two naps a day. Usually this happens. They're pretty predictable. They're nice and long if you're lucky. And that's great. Then it's like one kind of weird crappy nap and maybe like a cat nap yeah. that doesn't take. And then their bedtime schedules get oh, all screwed up for worst. a little yes. while. Yes. But then you come out on the other side of that with one nice long nap and a really good bedtime. So it's yep. like it all. And then eventually they're in school and you don't. <laughs> You don't need a nap because someone there's someone else's problem or whatever. Yep. You know, they've gotten big enough that um, even if they're home with you, they're they're just it's just you don't need the naps as much. But there's that up and down. Right. Yep. Even the nap consolidation has a like I, I, I don't want to wreck be a spoiler on this topic that I was so excited about. Like, when do things get easier? But it's like they get easier and then harder and yes. then easier and harder. I agree. I think that is going to yeah. be the conclusion we come to in this episode. I actually think it would be really interesting to do this same question, but like with tweens and teens, like I'm <laughs> asking you, you know, because yeah. it does, it keeps getting easier yeah. and harder. Easier and harder. Yep. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready to eat meals from our sponsor factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite Factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. <laughs> and I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box 
plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Okay, so this is one for people who have multiple kids, Um, and that would be when the oldest kid is old enough to be truly helpful before the youngest comes along. And for some people that will Mm. never happen um, or like it won't happen until the youngest is two or something like it won't happen when they're babies, but it is great when that oldest is old enough to um, hold a hand while you're, you know, navigating a busy park or something or like um, push a stroller. Go pick up a diaper and bring it to you. Even a little, even a little older kid Mm -hmm. can still engage in some way. And then with me, with lots of kids, it was actually my middle child being old enough to be helpful with the younger set. Because by that point, my oldest were like so old that they were out playing a lot, just kind of out doing their own thing or maybe at school all day. And so for me to have like another, like another kid, kid in the middle. And for me, Will was such a helpful, um, was so helpful when Clara was little and he was only in half day young fives when she was born. And actually I think he did half day kindergarten the whole following year as well. So I had like, I had like a really helpful little six-year-old around. Yeah. Yeah, Six-year-old can really get stuff done. And he would do stuff like when she woke up from a nap, he'd want to take her and play with her. Like he was so super helpful. So like there's, it, it's that can happen in a lot of a lot of lineups. Sometimes it's literally the oldest and sometimes it's just a kid who's enough older or sometimes you grow into that. They're not older enough when the baby's born. But by the time the baby's a year or two years old, they've matured enough to be super helpful. Yeah. Oh, that's a really good one. Um, but but you know what I'm about to say, right? But then it gets harder. But then it gets harder in some way because then they get older enough that they squabble or yeah. they get older enough that they have opinions about the way you do things or they, they get older enough that they don't want to anymore. Like, yeah. or they get older enough that actually they can't really help because the baby got so big that now they're a toddler who can really get themselves in danger or yeah. whatever. So you had a kid who was old enough to help, like watch the baby in the bouncy seat while you went to the bathroom. And now it's like, well, no, you can't watch the baby anymore because the baby will climb up on a bookcase or something. (laughs) So it changes. It does. Um, Okay. Well, my next one is 
a very micro milestone, but I really do think it can make a difference for moms. And that is when an infant figures out how to find their pacifier, if they're a pacifier baby, and put it back in their mouth all by themselves, or, and, or if you have thumb suckers as I did, reliably find their thumb, remember that they enjoy it and stick it in their (laughs) mouth and keep it in their mouth. I mean, this is a milestone that for my thumb suckers, it was around four or five months. Um, maybe I don't actually, my babies didn't really take passies after maybe some really newborn soothing that I was trying to help them with. So I'm not really sure about the finding the own passy in the crib, but it's, it's a, it's a number of months. You don't have to wait years for this milestone. It is a number of months. And just to have your infant have the coordination to participate in their own self-soothing. It's not like you're off the clock. You are still getting up in the night. You're still nursing or bottle feeding. Like there's still a lot, but the fact that they can do that is magical. And you realize like how much of your, of your life and energy has been like, hopefully that passy won't fall out in the car because they won't know how to literally put it back in their mouth. Yeah. Um, I only had one passy baby and I'm trying to remember when that, that ability to sort of mash it back in their own face was. And I think it depends if it's like right there. Right. Yes, exactly. Yes. So it, it, your miles may vary on that one, but like, I, I, yes, that was a big, that was a big, big thing. Um, or self-soothing at all, like whatever mm-hmm. kind of self-soothing, it looks different for all babies and some don't ever suck thumbs or take passies, but there's something else maybe they're able to do to kind of soothe themselves out of the the encroaching fussing. Yes, exactly. It's like, it's like, right. I have this tool at my disposal and they're like five months old, which is so really impressive. If you think about it, it really is. There's a lot going on in those little brains, isn't there? Yes. Um, okay. Well, here's one where this is maybe a little older, but again, it's about those age dynamics and it's so different in every family. So unfortunately I can't tell you exactly when this will happen, but it's if they're in the stage where they're squabbling a lot, there will be a shift where one of the kids will either get bored of it and stop or like the younger, the younger one will get old enough that they'll start fighting and the older one's out or whatever. Something will shift. And I'm wondering how this looked in your family, Sarah. I know this isn't really like a toddler and a newborn type of um, thing, but there these things do ebb and flow. And the same kids that are squabbling, fighting, picking on each other, whatever it is, it probably won't stay that way forever. It'll, it'll change, which again, doesn't mean it goes away, but it does. At least you get a break from the old dynamic. Yes, I agree. Um, in my house, there was a real bad matchup from about, well, almost like ages one and four, that would be Reed and Violet all the way up to the pandemic. <laughs> this is going to make people okay, really depressed. <laughs> there was several years. There was several years of an antagonistic relationship that completely shifted. So that's where the hope is that whatever is your struggle right now is not going to be your struggle forever. It just it just isn't. I mean, I can almost definitively say that. I, I guess not 100 percent, but. Um, things will change and that may be good news for you. It may be bad news for you, but things will change. Yeah. That's the one truth, right? They'll, they'll continue to ebb and flow. And if you get used to something good or bad, it'll change again. And yeah, like, I feel like my answers to this question are becoming more down, 
more downers than um, uppers, but it's just true. Like, it's just reality. Yeah. Whatever the problem is now will not be the problem forever. Well, and it's good to hear people um, because there are some listeners. Well, there's plenty of listeners whose lives have already gotten easier than our contributor, Sarah Lindbergh's with two, you know, baby and a toddler. But they're still in it, too. And they would also like to hear when will this get easier? So, Um, okay. well, here's a fun one. I remember this very specifically with my third and final baby. Um, When everyone, when all of your children can eat pretty much everything wherever you go. And I don't mean that they're not picky or you don't have to like help them or cut up their grapes or whatever. You're still doing that. But like when you reach the time where you're not packing a ton of puffs in a little cup and Mm -hmm. bottles and formula or pumped milk pouches, baby food, like pureed stuff. Um, when you can go to like a barbecue or on a weekend trip or out to a restaurant maybe. And you're not like, you're not thinking through an entire culinary, um, plan for the baby. It is really, really freeing. And the reason I remember it with my third and final baby is I just think I forced us to get to that point so much sooner. I mean, I really, I really didn't care for the like pureed, like the, the introducing solids phase. We've talked about this on the show. I really, really didn't enjoy it with my first two and things are so different now. Moms have a lot different information and, and different options to feed their babies. But basically I did not enjoy when my, I don't know, six to 10 month olds had to have a bunch of different food, but they still needed some solid food. Whereas Violet was exclusively breastfed. And then I just pretty much like gave her whatever we were having in the tiniest non-chokeable pieces with, with a few exceptions. And it was great. So that feels like a major milestone. I think I got there really fast with my second and the concept of baby led weaning at this time, this was 24 years ago when Isaac was a baby. Um, it was just starting to kind of come out there. Well, in fact, baby led weaning kind of meant different things than it has come to mean. It has come to mean the introduction of solids in the way you just described back then. I feel like it was still a little bit confusing it. I think it was more about like the actual weaning from the breast, but, yeah. but whatever, all that said, the idea of just giving your baby whatever you were eating was brand new on the scene. And it was sort of like the underground breastfeeders uh-huh. were the ones talking about it and promoting it. And like, it kind of hadn't gotten out in the mainstream and it got on my radar when Isaac was really little. And I was like, what you mean? I can just do that. Like, I don't have to deal with all these jars. And, um, and so I just didn't, and it was the best. It was so nice. Now I will say he didn't care for, he just preferred to not then eat solids. He just was, he didn't care. And that was okay too. Cause in some cases it was just easier yeah, just to nurse him. Like if I didn't have to worry about the, the food thing. So I totally agree. And I think I think nowadays um, this is someplace where parenting advice caught up with it. It often goes in the other direction, but I think this is somewhere where parenting advice has caught up with what's probably easier for moms. Yeah. 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 I hope so. I hope so. And, and I would think that even in today's newer moms, they're still, they are still probably schlepping some stuff, whether it's pouches or, Um, little snacks and stuff. And so I, yeah, there will be a moment where you're like, oh my gosh, this child can just eat what we're eating in smaller quantities. And that feels really freeing. Yeah. 
All right. Well, Sarah, you had thrown this one out there, but I'm going to steal it. And it's about weather. Now, you know, when I've had, I've always had a, a very distinct four seasons that I've been raising kids in. Um, but even if not, like I know you've been in Southern California and Arizona, so pretty different in the way that like it is, right? But things like weather changes, seasons change. And if it's not broiling hot or freezing cold, everything is easier. And the important thing to remember is by the time, even in a place like Arizona, where you wouldn't think there'd be such a um, huge swing in seasons, you guys did have like oh, but a cooler ho- season and yeah, a hotter season. You're homebound. It, it's it's right. actually very extreme because you're homebound for the entire summer. You cannot go for walks. Right. You cannot go to the playground. So right. it, it's, I mean, it's just the flip of Minnesota. Right. Exactly. So so by the time that cycles back around again, that kid will be older, right? So like it's coming again, even if you live in a place with dismal weather that you dread, like whatever the extreme of that is, you're looking forward to a Minnesota or North Dakota winter or a Arizona summer. And you're like, I don't know that I can survive this. Just remember when it comes around again, maybe your little one won't need you to do all of the dressing and undressing, or maybe it won't feel so desperate that you get outside or maybe a new indoor play place would have gone up in your neighborhood, whatever it is, something's going to shift and make that easier. Yeah. I, when I wrote this down, I was thinking of Sarah Lindbergh. I know she lives in San Diego and there's California, it gets hot real quick when you head inland. So I don't know exactly how far inland, but it makes a difference um, where we are that it can be very, very hot. And I was just thinking about my Arizona days and just how much more fun life got. Everything got more fun when the weather cooled down. And as we record this in October, it's still hot in Southern California. My car said a hundred degrees yesterday, by the way, that's unacceptable in October. Um, And I live near the ocean. So it is coming. If you are in a hot weather place, the cool weather is coming and everything will seem easier. It doesn't matter if your baby's still up 10 times a night. Um, it doesn't matter if the rest of your circumstances are the same. It will feel easier. And then to your point, Megan, like the next hard weather season won't feel so hard. And actually you will have learned so much by then. So I think looking to those weather changes actually is, I, sh- I hope it's comforting because it does change every few months. Or you move. Yeah, that's right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or you move. <laughs> okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keeps pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. 
Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. We are welcoming back Ritual as a sponsor today. Megan, we both try to make healthy choices, but you know, sometimes it's tricky to sort through fact and fiction when it comes to supplements and vitamins to figure out just what they're doing for us. That's why I'm glad Ritual keeps studying their products and sharing the results, especially as it relates to women, since women are the focus of all Ritual's products, including the Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin. And the results are super reassuring. Just as an example, Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin, and it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin is made with high-quality and traceable key nutrients in clean, bioavailable forms with nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Plus, they are leading the industry when it comes to sustainability. They use lower carbon packaging and prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients. That kind of thoughtfulness really matters to me. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash the mom hour. Start Ritual or add the Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash the mom hour for 25% off. Okay, so this is much more existential, Megan. But I, when I was reflecting on my own, when did things get easier? This feels worth mentioning. And for me, there was something that felt much simpler in my little brain when I felt like I had had all the kids I was going to have. They were all here and that I could sort of have a line of sight forward that didn't include potential future babies. Now, as we've discussed many times on this show, everybody's journey to feeling done or maybe never feeling done is so personal. And I think I exist on kind of one of the more extreme ends where I, I wanted three, I had three, and then I felt very, very done with very little um, wondering And so I'm just acknowledging that that is not everybody's experience. In fact, I'm probably in the minority, but it's worth saying that that felt easier because I really enjoyed the looking forward. I enjoyed the last baby, the last pregnancy as much as I could. I was so sick, but I I enjoyed the lastness of it. And then I really enjoyed thinking about like, okay, next Christmas, they'll be this age or when the youngest is four, I'll, I'll have everybody in school. And so, um, that is not like a milestone, like, oh, the baby sleeps through the night. So life got easier. But I will say there was a mental shift that really allowed me to settle into my season of hard. And I was like, okay, we're here. Like we're doing this. And, and knowing that there wasn't somebody else like bringing up the rear in my case, like I was really felt really done was very, was very helpful to me. I, I love that for you because it feel like it plays into what you need from a situation to feel good about it. Uh And it didn't quite play out that way for me. Uh, When Clara was born, I had no intention of having any more kids, but also kind of felt like, well, who knows? And I didn't feel super done. And then when she was barely four years old, um, I had my uterus removed. (laughs) So then it was like, Oh, well, I guess this is done now. Yeah. And that was, it was a little hard that way because it was like the choice wasn't really mine. And I feel like I had sort of delayed, like, even though I knew I didn't intend to having any more kids, I had sort of delayed 
the doneness uh-huh. settling in. Yeah. Um, but it was a useful time to do that then. And I do think that there was some benefits to being able to just say, there's no more thinking about this now. Like there's no more what if even the tiniest, tiniest, tiniest what if in the back of my head at this point, I would have to go to extreme measures to, you know, have another kid. Yeah. So it's not going to happen. And then it was like it allowed me to sort of deal with it. Um, so not quite for the same reasons in you, as you and not at the same time as yeah. you. It was more delayed for me, but I can relate to that. Yeah. Um, and if anyone who is listening is new around here, we have discussed at length in many episodes about this idea of feeling done, not feeling done, the decision to have one more, how really tricky it is and how nuanced for every family. So we can dig up some links if that is where you are in this season. Um, and yeah, there's a, there's a lot of that discussion in our archives and it's something that everybody likes to talk about. So, yeah, well, I'm going to, um, I'm going to mention two that are both related to babies sitting in things. (laughs) Okay. Um, one I already kind of teased in the very beginning, and that's when the baby's old enough to sit up in the shopping cart. Like you can just carry them in on your hip into yes. the grocery store and pop them into the little shopping cart. And I had so many fond memories of that yeah, time too. going to the store with a, you know, now they've got the bigger carts where you can actually put two little kids side by side. Uh, I don't actually Costco. like that as much. That was, but... <laughs> I was, I was a regular Costco shopper yeah. because of that. Yeah. Um, but just the fun of being able to talk to their faces and not deal with the extra stuff that you're lugging in. Like it gets easier and more fun at the same time. And that's not always the case. Sometimes things get easier, but not more fun Uh or more fun, but not easier. And this um, was definitely both. And I feel like when that shopping cart sitting is happening, it's sort of around the same time that they can do things like sit up, um, in a high chair at a restaurant or in a high chair at home on their own, you know, without having to have it be one of those. Or in a swing. I know you don't like the swings, but the bucket swings, that's always so cute. Oh no, when they're babies, that's fine. I just didn't like pushing the swings endlessly when they were like five. Yeah. And I'm like, would you just learn to pump already? Um, But there's a lot of that, like sitting up that they can kind of do very supported in one of those bumbos or something when they're really little but they can't really do independently until later in like the second half of the first year. And it changes a lot. Um, And then, you know, a year and a half later, you can flop them to front facing. And if they hated being rear facing in the car, like in the car seat, that's like another huge milestone. If you've ever had a baby who screamed the entire time, they were rear facing. And that day that you can uh, turn them around front facing is magical. I will say, that day comes a lot later for today's babies sure than it did when my oldest were little. Um, sure, sure does. Sure does. I, I yeah. think actually the span of my three kids was really right at the nexus of that advice changing because yeah. the age where I was supposed to turn them changed. I mean, doubled and then some in the five years of my the span of my three kids from the first to the last. Yeah. OK, here's another one that maybe is going to take a little longer to get to, but really makes things easier. Um, and that is if you have a babysitter or a childcare, maybe a gym daycare, um, any, any kind of, um, drop in childcare situation or drop off when your oldest child is old enough to verbally, really effectively verbally communicate to a caregiver, um, not only on behalf of themselves, but in particular, especially helpful on the behalf of their younger siblings, 
I found it made leaving my kids with a sitter, especially like a like the one off ones, like the high school kid from down the street or the drop in childcare at the gym, things where I didn't have a, a ton of time to to vet or to like give instructions. Um, it just was like, oh, my gosh, I am going to leave these kids and one of them can talk enough to say like, oh, here's the baby's lovey or. Yeah. You know, where does your mom keep the extra blankets? And it it felt what it felt like was like a translation barrier had been opened up that I didn't even realize was blocked for so long. If you think about handing over your infants and toddlers to someone else, I think a lot of my hangups were just like I felt like I there was so much I needed to tell them. And a lot of that I realize is my personality type and like they'd be fine. The baby'd be fine, the caregiver would be fine. But Honestly, leaving a like a really verbal, say, four year old who really could helpfully communicate to a caregiver on behalf of themselves and their siblings was like night and day, like life changing for me. Yeah, I think another really big uh, milestone when it comes to babysitters would be two different ones. One that I don't believe I ever actually like I dreamed about it and it never (laughs) happened to me. And that was the babysitter who could arrive like when everybody was already put down and then just like watch TV till you got back. Mm -hmm. I had those babysitting gigs as a kid. They do exist, but I don't think my particular family, I ever got it together. Well, we're, there was too many of us and you were, and everyone stayed up too late and we were close sleeping. It just never worked that way. Yeah. Yeah. So, but the, having that babysitter who literally just shows up and is there as like a, like basically to call you if some, if the yes. baby wakes up a 911 like, dialer. Yes. Yeah. 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 Then that felt like it would have been huge. I just never had that. Yeah. But an, a, a stage I did have that I remember clearly having is when everybody in the house looked forward to a babysitter. No one was going to cry or cling yeah. or they weren't going to like fight with each other so much that it was a problem. Like whenever leaving them with a babysitter was so easy and pleasurable for everybody that it felt like a treat. And I think that that came and went like that was, it would happen for a while. Then I'd have another baby or someone would go through a stage and it would go away. So it wasn't like a consistent hit the milestone and now we're done, but it felt huge. And it took so much of that emotional and mental burden. I agree. And like Sarah in her, in her notes to us, just talked about like going anywhere feels like such a project. And I would, she didn't say this, but I would say that it feels like a project to go somewhere when you're taking your kids with you. But also if you're not taking your kids with you, either way, it's an enormous mental and logistical load on you. And that's such a good point that there is a, there is a stage where, um, you just, the, the leaving a kids with a sitter is so much less fraught. We enjoyed actually like probably three or four good years of that before COVID we had good sitters in the neighborhood. I looked forward to leaving. The kids looked forward. They could make it. It was amazing. But it took a long, that one took a long time to get to. Okay. Well, this discussion just brought another milestone to mind that I had not thought of before. But you know how there's like always a different age at which you can do drop-in things? Like um, the YMCA might have a, oh, yeah. not like the nursery, but like the place where you can just chuck your three-year-old and let them play. Or yeah. um, sometimes like, I hate to say this, but casinos have, have them oh my God. or like amusement parks and places like that will have, it's kind of like a daycare, but it's for bigger kids. Yeah. Well, and there's um, all- hotels and resorts. We didn't yes. go to Hawaii until our youngest was five for that reason, because five yeah. was the magic age. Yeah. Yeah. Or like cruise ships or, um, 
ski lodges. I yes. remember that mm-hmm. being a thing at ski lodges. Sure like there's do. often these sort of drop-in experiences that your kids can have only if they've met some milestone. And usually it has to do with potty training, mm-hmm. I think, and them being verbal. It's like around, oh, and like Ikea. Don't they have yes. kind of I like a child care? Like one time yeah. based on where we lived and how far Ikea was and how old yeah. my kids were, but it did feel amazing. Yeah. So just being able to take advantage of something like that where yes. it's like no prep needed. I don't have to call a babysitter. I don't really. And they look at it. It is not the same as taking your kids to a sitter or daycare because they're looking at it as like I get to go play in this magical child playland. It's like a totally different vibe and it feels huge. And then if you have another baby and you can't do it anymore, you're like, oh, yep. mm-hmm. yeah, you start all over again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's such a good one. Um, okay. Well, this one, I have a very specific memory of the last time that I took a shower with two awake, uh, toddler preschoolers. And I was pregnant with my third. And I had this thought of like, oh my gosh, I've just gotten to the point. So my kids were two and a half and four and a half, and they were pretty calm and they played pretty well together. And we had a baby gate at the top of the stairs. So there were some parameters in place, but I was like, Hey guys, I'm going to take a quick shower and these little faces four and a half and two and a half were like, okay, mommy. I'm like, you stay upstairs and play here. And I was like, whatever, eight months pregnant. And I thought, I don't know the next time I'm going to be able to do this. And here's the thing about showers. You can shower at night. You can shower when your co-parent is home. You can shower during naps. And you know, you've gone on record, Megan, like it is worth it to, you deserve a shower at some point during the day, but there's something that feels very special about not needing to have coverage via nap or another adult while you shower. And it's the kind of thing that like for you and me, it was just never, it never occurs to us to tell anybody when we're going to shower or to make sure that they are safe. But for years you have to think about these things. And so that was for me going from two to three, I would have had to then wait uh, another few years because my youngest child was a little bit of a homewrecker. So I'm not sure how old she was when I could reliably shower, but then I would have had an oldest, you know, to keep an eye on her. So yeah, Yeah. when you can shower and the children are awake in your house and you're not worried, that's a milestone, no matter when it happens. It is. And there's something freeing about it just being up to you. Like I want a shower right now, so I'm Mm -hmm. just going to take one right now. And there's other things like that too, that happen. Um, being able to (laughs) take a go in the bathroom for a leisurely amount of time or read just because you feel like it or whatever. What I found is that as I was able to work those things into my normal day, rather than having to wait for nap time or a partner or after the kids went to bed at night or whatever, then I felt like it was like stolen time. And then I felt like when I had the partner, the nap, the bedtime, then I could really use it for like what I wanted to use it for, not just catching up on all the stuff I couldn't do during the day. So it's, it's like it, it has like a double effect. A hundred percent. Yes. You have that. The nap comes back to you or the evenings come back to you because you've taken care of your basic needs without eating into that. I totally, totally agree. Okay. Well, I have one more Megan and it, it did happen in the baby's first year. So it's, it, it's around the corner. If you're in the thick of things, um, I was my first time around, I was a working, I was working in an office and I was pumping during the day and I wanted to continue breastfeeding past a year, but I also, my baby was eating a lot of solid foods and I was so over sending the bottles to daycare. And I just remember the joy of realizing that we were down to 
two or three nursing sessions a day and they were mostly in the morning and at bedtime and that I could both continue the breastfeeding relationship I wanted, but not need to pump at the office anymore. And it almost surprised me because this was my first baby too. So I wasn't like, I was learning like what the, what's typical of like cutting back. And I I was, it was just all so new. And I, I have this like memory of the physical weight of that pumping bag and the washing of the parts. It had become so routine that I didn't even realize it was, you know, quite a bit of work, which it was. And it, it really felt like unlocking something I didn't even know I was looking for. And it was huge. So if you are pumping in an office, I don't know, do people even still do that anymore? Does everyone work from home? I do. I've been in offices where I see that they have nursing yeah. mother places, but like I want, it, it almost feels like an empty museum or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I don't know if people still need to use them, but um, I do think people are returning back to offices in some, in some industries. And so, yes, this yeah. is not out. It's, it's still real for a lot of people. I think what I loved was, I think I had naively associated stopping pumping with stopping breastfeeding and the realization that they weren't one and the same, um, but that my baby was nursing a lot less and eating a lot more solids. And I could kind of have the best of both worlds, not pumping at work, but also not ending that part of our relationship that I'd worked so hard on was really like leveling up. Yeah. Yeah. I could totally see that. I just never had that. I never experienced that. The only time I had to pump was because I had a baby in the hospital for a little while. Um, and then as soon as I could ditch it, I did. Cause it adds a lot, it adds a lot of time and, uh, yeah, like inconvenience yeah. yep. to the whole process. Yeah. That was the only, the only baby that that happened with, but, um, yeah, it was great. Well, uh, we have a fun little way to continue this conversation, uh, this week. And that is that on our Instagram account, we're just at the mom hour, uh, Sarah Lindbergh from our team who inspired this episode is going to take over our Instagram stories and just kind of like talk a little bit more about her life as a mom of a two-year-old and an infant. Um, I'm sure she'll probably share her thoughts on this episode once she's heard it, um, and bring you all along for the ride for today. So that's at um, at the mom hour on Instagram. If you're listening to this later, we usually save those, uh, contributor takeovers in a highlight. So you could probably watch it anyway, after the fact, even if you're not listening today. Um, and gosh, Megan, I I really would like to do this again and think about the ways things get harder and easier. Like it's really got my brain going because I think that it, there is like that baby toddler stage. Then there's like the school kid era stage where things get easier and harder. And then, yeah, the preteen and teen stage easier yeah. and harder. Yeah. It just keeps happening until they're gone. I guess sure so. <laughs> yep. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We actually are back with um, a special conversation this coming Friday um, among three members of our contributor team. Um, so look for that bonus coming out this Friday. And then Megan, you and I will be back with everybody a week from today. Talk to you then. Thanks for listening to The Mom Hour. Everything we talked about in today's episode is available at themomhour.com. And hey, while you're there, you can find more than 500 podcast episodes, plus articles, playlists, and resources about motherhood and parenting at every stage. And if you like today's episode, we'd love it if you would take a minute to share the show with another mom in your life. You can also find us on Instagram at The Mom Hour, chatting and interacting with listeners between episodes. Thanks for being here, friends. We'll talk to you soon. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. 
Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction, and Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Hi everyone, Megan here. Sarah and I would absolutely love it if you would hit pause right now, like right where you're listening, and leave the Mom Hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, this is one of the biggest ways you can thank us and it really only takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening to Apple Podcasts, you can navigate to the Mom Hours show listing. So when you're in the episode you're listening to right now, click where it says the Mom Hour just above the play button and then scroll all the way to the bottom and you will see the ratings and reviews. We would love if you would leave us one as well. Thank you so much for listening.